What's up, everybody? This week, we take a look at the first volume of one of the most successful book series of all time, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. That and a whole lot more spookiness is to come, because maybe one can never have enough socks. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Especially living in this house, you definitely can never have enough socks. It really, know. seriously, socks. Mm-mm. No, we we if if you, you want to know what to get us for Christmas, socks. Socks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Hi guys, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> welcome to this special Sunday episode of the Because Maybe podcast. Couple yes. of reasons. Uh, we've had a little bit of upheaval in in Castle Connolly, and then the wonderful, wonderful people at well, whoever decided that our electricity wasn't working correctly and decided to blow it all up this morning. <laughs> so uh, we're recording today. Hope everybody is doing yes. well, especially after the craziness that was this week. Yes, this week has this week has been one of the most trying in our nation's history. Yeah, and and just just like we, we'll get to that very very briefly. I want to do some some happy stuff before we go into that. Yay! But first things first, okay. uh, we're gonna have three episodes between now and next Saturday. Ooh. And they're all going to be centered around uh, this wonderful Scottish <laughs> lady's... Yeah, that's right. We're going to be centered around this wonderful Scottish lady's vision of how children's books should be. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be joined by the wonderful, wonderful Sarah, in case you haven't noticed. She's here with me today. Hello, hello. Um, but yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to release a special episode on the 31st. Yay. We were going to do Scream, and I know what you did last summer, but the problem was um, yeah. I thought I had th- I owned them. <laughs> Turns out I don't. Whoopsies. And it's uh, really hard to review something if yeah. you haven't watched it in, you know, many a year. So right. that's, what, that's why we're not screaming. Also, some good news for all you people who like to listen to Spotify. Brrr. We're finally on it. Yay. Still can't get on Google, but we're finally on Spotify. <laughs> uh, so guys, if you're on Spotify, look us up because yes. maybe podcast. That now means that my little speech that I give at the end of everything is going to have to change. I'm going to have to get used to it. Right. But yeah, we're on Spotify. So guys, if you're on Spotify, that's your um, listening medium of choice. Go ahead. Find us up on there. You know, Make a playlist. Play it. Yes. Play Just, you know, put our episodes on back to back. Yeah. I mean, when you turn, how, it, turn it down on low when you go to bed. It'll be fabulous. We'll see how far you've become. Mm-hmm. How, how far we've become, you know, from paper to film to paper. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we did mention earlier, uh, right at the beginning of the show, um, the stupidity that has happened in the last uh, week. And the thing is, my notes, because I, 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 I block the episode, right? And my notes just say bombings. Um, it's not just the bombings, it's the no. supermarket mm-hmm. uh, execution. And yesterday, the, the synagogue massacre. I mean, guys, come on. This is not a right thing. This is not a left thing. Can we just get along? Like, seriously? Well, um, our, you know, it's thoughts and prayers are said a lot, and some people consider it trite. But, um, you know, my, my heart breaks for the families who are grieving right now. Oh, yeah. And who are uh, just trying to make sense of things. And our country is hurting right now. So um, let's be kind to each other these next few weeks. And even if you just completely disagree with someone, <laughs> as long, I mean, we can disagree without being disagreeable. And um, as long as their views aren't threatening 
your rights, then, you know, pick your battles. You know what I mean? We just all need to stop being like children. Right. It's, right. it's, it's, it's just is. I mean, you know, I don't care if you're left wing, right wing, centrist, whatever. We need to grow up and start listening to each other and stop going, well, this guy did it first. Well, this lady did it. So what? That's not important now. You know, it really isn't. I mean, you know, the last the last two years, three years, Nazism's been on the rise, and now we have a massacre at a Jewish synagogue. Yeah, there in Brazil, a fascist is about to be elected as uh, president, prime minister, whatever the the leader is is in Brazil. Um, you see the nonsense going on in Europe right now. I mean, just stop it. Stop it. Grow up. You know. Anyway, sorry to get super super serious on on, on this, guys. You know, but it, but this this kind of thing really bothers me deep down. I don't bother Sarah deep down as well. It's just you know, we're better as a society. We should be better than this, or we should aim to be better than this. Yes, definitely. You know, it's you know one of the things I see when I say, well, you know, as a country, we're better than this, and and I'm like, no, we've always been like this. It's time to be better. You know, and I'm not just talking about America here. I'm talking about you know my people too. Okay. So, anyway, that's the ranting and raving done. Uh, anything happened to you since the last time we spoke to you? To me? Yeah, because it's been a couple of weeks since you and I have got together. Oh, uh, it has. It has. Um, just, um, you know, same old, same old, working on stuff, kiddos, uh, things of that nature. Why? Am I missing something? No, no, no. Just, you know. <laughs> you have fans out there. I want you to... to, to sh- Tell them how life has been. Okay. But, you know. So, um, we've got, I've got some um, graphic design stuff uh, that's going to be hitting soon um, to an Etsy uh, store near you. Nice. <laughs> so, um, I've got uh, NaNoWriMo. I oh. mean, is, yeah, you're, yeah, that is, starts on the first. So... Um, if any of you are doing NaNoWriMo this year, hit me up, look me up, um, for a buddy. It's S. Connolly 318. And, um, yeah, let's do this. Let's knock it out. Sweet. All the words. All the words. Um, I'm trying to think there was something I was going to say, but I completely forgot about it. Um, oh yeah. Okay. This is what it is, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not editing that part out. Okay. Um, one of the upheavals in the house is we've been, you know, moving furniture around and everything Ugh. like that. And yesterday, Sarah found the greatest 90s relic you could ever find in the history of 90s relics. Yes. I don't think we'd be able to cash it in or not, but, you know. Apparently, there's one left in Alaska. Oh, well, we need to go to Alaska. Yes. I have a coupon from Blockbuster for rent two videos, get one free. Not DVDs, not Blu-rays. No, videos. Videos. Yes, so, um, for any of you, I don't know, I mean, I personally, when I saw that, get super stoked, because all I could think of is the new Captain Marvel movie coming out, and that wonderful shot on the uh, preview where, you know, she's like barrels into the blockbuster. Nice. So, yeah, I'm like, ooh, Caracore. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that's just me. But, um, or it might be you two, you know, whichever, but that 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 got me all kinds of silly excited and grinning um but no we've just been uh anybody who who follows the podcast and um who knows us personally knows that this year has been yes there's been some upheavals and we've had um we've lost some good people this year and in that 
um, you know, when you lose people, you gain their crap. <laughs> and nobody really tells you that part. Um, but so I'm wading through all of my grandmother's uh, stuff. And um, there are also four storage units um, that we need to finish going through of my stepmother's. Um, but on my grandmother's stuff, um, there's every single uh, bank statement and utility bill going back prior to 1953. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm legit. There are boxes and boxes and the long old school fall boxes. Half of her closet was full of paper. And um, all the stuff needs uh, shredded. And I can hear you going, well, it's 50 years old. Just tear it up. We'll just burn it. Throw it out. Same bank account. Yeah, they had the same bank account, which I'm still using for all of their uh, estate stuff. So it's... Oh, yeah. So, um... Well, we just need a burn pile. That's what it is. Just let it bonfire. Yeah, and I just... um, I need I need your your... Please send me all the wide awake vibes, you know, like <laughs> um, I accept any and all caffeine donations um, because there's a lot of shredding in my future. <laughs> a that, lot of shredding. Is. We need to find one of the, was it Ron White called it evidence, get rid of other machines. Yeah, this is, <laughs> so, um, and then like, and then preparing for the garage sale to end all garage sales. So that's also what's been going on in Sarah's world. Sarah is exhausted and, and educating children and cleaning things out. And Sarah needs a nap. Yeah, and and I'm I'm helping the way I help, you know, which is not much, sadly. <laughs> uh, but okay, that, that that's that's you know that's that's something that I think I need to work on over the next couple of days. But guys, if you were busy house cleaning, estate cleaning, or whatever yes. that you want to do, look us up on social media: Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. Look at because maybe pod. That way you can keep up. Put us on in the background. On. Put us on in the background. Yeah, put us on in the background. Have a listen while you're working on it. Uh, look up our blog, because maybe podcast at wordpress.com. That's kind of where all of our news and everything like that's going. Mm-hmm. And if you were on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Bing. search because maybe podcast, you'll be able to see it. You'll get uh, sample episodes on our YouTube channel and on the uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I, I guess, channels or feeds. Yes. You'll get uh, full episodes of the podcast as well. So, guys, we are going to take a break here, and we're going to be talking about the debut of an iconic writer mm-hmm. who for some reason decided to change the name of her book internationally don't know why still to this day don't know why cannot find out the reason why but uh we're going to be looking at uh, harry potter and the philosopher's stone or sorcerer's stone. or sorcerer's stone if you live on this side of the pond we'll be yes. right back review corner the written word Okay, guys, uh, we are now looking at the first of three novels that was written by J. Rowling in the 1990s. See? The movies came out in the 2000s, but the books? Yes. 1997. Yes. And they were actually started writing a long, long time before that. Uh, This is basically the debut novel of J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. I don't know which word is harder to to say. (laughs) I'm not sure why it was changed, but you know, I mean that's Scholastic did that, not 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 Rowling. Yeah. Well, Bloomsbury went with it, so you know, I, I don't know. The two biggest the two biggest kids book publishers in the world couldn't get a simple wizard word 
Correct. That's awesome. Uh, this was released in June of 1997 in the United Kingdom and September of 1998 in the United States. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, like I said, just falls into the uh, the uh, 90s category there. But we'll take it. We'll take it. Hey, na- look, 97 is a lot better than, say, 1999, which is what we did Blink-182. So, ah, you know. Right. Um, it's, it's a normal book. It is right. I mean, I've reviewed a couple of books that are that are not quite normal, so to speak. But what I mean is, is you know, linear structure in third person. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only the only thing that it has in here that might be considered a little unusual is there is a nine year narrative jump at the beginning of the book. Yeah, but that's mainly a prologue. Yeah, I right? mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's fine. I mean, you don't need to know Harry's formative views, I guess. You know, I know, but there, there's a few things that are mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's done in exposition. Right. I guess more. And I think it needed to be an exposition, because, you know, n- nobody would buy the book Harry Potter and the Trip to the Hairdressers. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so this book, basically, is Harry Potter is an average 11-year-old boy who lived with the Dursley family ever since his parents died in a car crash. For some mm-hmm. reason, the family always mistreated him. On his 11th birthday, a giant man named Rubius Hagrid mm-hmm. hands him a letter telling him he's been accepted as a student at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Harry learned that his parents were wizard and killed by the dark wizard Voldemort, a truth that was hidden from him all these years. Yes. He embarks on a new life as a student, gathering two good friends and Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger along the way. Yes. And they soon learn that something very valuable is hidden inside the school, and Lord Voldemort is eager to get his hands on it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's that, I mean... All right, y'all are going to have to forgive me on this. Okay. I have opinions with a capital O on this series. Yes, she does. And we'll get we'll we will get to some of them today. It's it's oh yeah. Yeah, you need to if go get a drink. You I have I have more opinions on the machinations of Albus, you know, Dumbledore than I do on the JFK assassination. So, and just for people who who think so what, just remember that in our living room hangs the front page of the Dallas uh, Gazette, the Dallas News, mm-hmm. the day after Kennedy was shot. Yeah, I'm a big Kennedy buff, so, so <laughs> that's really saying something to most people. That'd be like, well, yeah, that's what I mean. No, no, that really does mean something. So, so how did the, how did this book came about? How I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 an interesting story when you think about it, right? Because it does deal with a lot of uh, Joe Rowland's personal life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, apologies if I got any of this wrong. I've, I've, I've done research and double-checked the sources and stuff like that. And if it's incorrect, please don't sue me. It's an honest, genuine <laughs> mistake. All right. You know, so... Um, and and if you if you have... If, if I am telling you something wrong, and you know it's wrong, and she finds out about it, tell her to contact me. We'll straighten it out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wink. Um, but no, this book was first uh, conceived by uh, Rowland in 1990. Mm-hmm. She was living in Manchester, and she was traveling down to London... And they had like a three-hour delay, and the idea of a of a glasses-wielding wizard child formed in her head, which you know is probably not the best way to describe it. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> it was what it was. All right. Um, sadly, in December of that year, uh, Roland's mother passed. Yes. And her own grief was kind of pumped into the character. Mm-hmm. And you know, it it kind of was cathartic in her writing and that's also where the inspiration for the Dementors which is a character that's introduced in the third book yes uh, came from um, so in 91 she moved to uh, Porto in Portugal to become an English teacher mm-hmm. teaching the locals English um, she met and married a Portuguese journalist but fled for Scotland in 1993 with her only three chapters written in her suitcase allegedly fleeing from a life of 
degradement and domestic abuse. Right. Allegedly. Just, just I want, I want to keep pumping that word out there. I'm saying in inverted commas too, but I'm pumping the word allegedly out there. Only so we're not sued. Yeah, only so we're not sued because yeah. we're a mom and pop operation. What do, what do you want? You take my computer? That's all I got. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the next few years, Roland spent a time uh, trained to be a teacher mm-hmm. while living on British welfare system. Mm-hmm. And she described herself as quote as poor as you could be without being homeless mm. as a single mother. Mm-hmm. So basically, she would get her her stuff go to cafes, write Harry Potter in public. You know, it's the only way, basically, to get the kid to sleep, take her for a walk when she passed out, go to the nearest cafe, write a few. Right. You know, and, and get going. Right. Um, after the book was, was written, it took her two years shopping it around for somebody to go, hey, we might want this book. Right. Which is weird when you think about it now, but, you know, it, again, this was her debut. Right. So, you know, it wasn't something like, say, Roald Dahl, you know, which, by the way, there's a lot of Roald Dahl influence in this book. Yes. Aunt Marge, for example, is yes. classic Roald Dahl bad guy, you know? Very much so. Um, lack of intelligence, portly. That's that's Roald Dahl villain right there in 101. Okay, um, and well, having said that, stop for a second. Go ahead. Because who played Aunt Marge? Very true. Very true. Who played Aunt Marge, everybody? The Trunchbull. The Trunchbull. And she was the evil headmistress in a Roald Dahl novel. Mm-hmm. Now looking back on it, I don't think that's a coincidence anymore. No. I think, I think yeah. Which is a shame, really, because the actor Pam Ferris, I think her name is, was like Britain's mother, you know? She was Britain's equivalent of Florence Henderson. Right. You know, she was beloved and playing these two characters. Everybody's like, oh, she can be mean, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason this book got published after two years of shopping it around is it somehow ended up in the hands of Bloomsbury Publishing. Their chairman gave his daughter the first chapter and she loved the book and was like, okay, where's the rest of it? All right. I want it now. And when you hit your target audience like that straight away, bang. I mean, that's the same way that um, The Hobbit got uh, published. All right. Is they, is, you know, the, the, so if you were an aspiring author... You need to make sure that your publisher, or potential publisher, has an eight-year-old child. Because <laughs> The Hobbit, Harry Potter, they came from eight-year-old kids Go, man, this is a great book. All right. Um, the initial print of this was only a thousand copies. Yeah, if you have a first edition, you've got bank. I think 33 grand was the last one. Yeah, that's... $33,000. Yeah, I would, I would hang on to that oh, for yeah, a minute. But here's the thing. Only 500 of those copies went to bookstores. Oh, wow. The other 500 copies, uh-huh. straight to libraries. Wow. So this proves two things. One, badger the publishers until you get a deal. Mm-hmm. And two, support your local, local library. library. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, I mean, like I said, that, that could, you know, that that's a story in itself. That could be made a movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the, just just getting the book published to the first the, the first idea to the time it was published that like that's a lot of a, that's a lot of life. Yes, in that in that seven year period, you yes. know, and you know, as we know now, the rest of they say is history. Joe Rowling is one of the wealthiest authors on the planet. Mm-hmm. Successful. Uh, she started writing uh, not necessarily the Harry Potter series, but she's had some other books that she's published as well. Uh, consultant on all the movies, you know, 
she's just she's been busy put it mildly yeah she's been busy her success came at the right time I think yes because you gotta remember in the the mid 90s you know we just had Jurassic Park a few years earlier the comic books were not quite there book adaptations as we covered weren't exactly great and then all of a sudden you know there was a vacuum in children's literature especially in the UK after Roald Dahl passed right and they needed something to fill the void and this was as well written as quirky and as fantasy fantas- what's the word for fantasy it was Fantastical? much a fantasy word yes it was much a fantasy word as, as something that Roald Dahl would do right so I'm I, again I'm using the Roald Dahl comparisons I'm not saying that that you know she is but I mean it's like <laughs> Like we discussed with music, when Nirvana, when Kirk Cobain committed suicide, there was a gap in the music scene, right. and Oasis and Britpop took over, you know, and so things on and so do forth. Do, yeah, those things do tend to leave a vacuum. So, let's look at the characters in this movie. Alrighty, what or you in got? this book. I keep saying movie. We're talking about the book today. I uh, know. Because there is differences between the book and the movie, which we... Oh, big difference. Big differences. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically, but this is broken down into several different categories of, not necessarily importance, but in terms of role. Right? Right. So you have the kids. You have Harry Potter, mm-hmm. who is the boy who lived, survived a murder attempt when he was a baby. Was he 18 months old? Yes. And now is, is like, you know, the most famous wizard in the whole world. Right. And all he wants is a cauldron cake. All he wants is a cauldron cake. A pumpkin pasty. Pumpkin pasty. Some pumpkin juice. And for Ron to stop talking for five minutes. Uh, <laughs> his best friend is Ron Weasley. His trusted sidekick. A little bit of a... Idiot. Pain in the butt. In the butt. Uh, in the behind. Um, yeah. Member of one of the uh, poorest families in the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Hermione Granger, Harry's best friend, the smartest kid in the entire school yes. of all years. Yes. And also what's known as Muggleborn, which we'll get to what that means mm-hmm. here in a few minutes. Okay. And which is, I, I just realized that right now. You've got a half-blood, blood, pure blood, and a Muggleborn as the three main protagonists. Yeah, it's, it's on purpose. Oh, I understand it's on purpose, but it, it, it's one of those things that only just clicked. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you found out that I was 34 years old? Uh, <laughs> then you have Neville Longbottom. Yes. Classmate Harry's the bumbling fool in comic relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, Draco Malfoy, who I've got right, right here, the anti-Harry. Yes. Like, a lot of a lot of bad guys in, in a lot of things are not on the level of the hero, whereas Malfoy and Harry are basically the same person from, you know from different ends uh he's arrogant stuck up rich and just flaunts it everywhere his father will hear about this Shh. <laughs> by the way jason isaacs if you follow oh. his twitter feed uh, oh i love him <laughs> then you have the twins fred and george weasley yes uh they are beaters on the quidditch team mm-hmm. and uh basically i could have a whole episode just on quidditch oh yeah Definitely, definitely. Um, they are Ron's older brothers, but they also take Harry under their wing, too, and kind of treat him like a little brother as well. Right. Then you have Percy Weasley. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, Percy. I like Percy. He was an arrogant, pompous, stuck-up He was fool. a male, older Hermione. Without the intelligence. No, he was highly intelligent. All the likability. Well, in the beginning, Hermione wasn't liked. Well, only for like half of the first book. Okay, well, Percy <laughs> never had a troll in the bathroom to make people like him. Well, that's true. He would have told everybody, stay away from the troll. I am head boy. Mm-hmm. Um, then we or go- was expelled 
Yes, yes. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Then we go to Professors. Sarah's favorite character in the whole series. <laughs> uh, Albus, Wilfred, Percival, Brian Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the headmaster, and he's considered at this time, at this time, the greatest wizard of his age. Mm-hmm. Can you Opinions argue Opinions with the capital O. Well, it, it's, it's asterisks for a reason. Mm. At the time, nobody knew what was going on. Then he had uh, McGonagall, who mm-hmm. was the, his number two uh, professor of transfiguration, a cat, and the head of Harry's house. Yeah, house. McGonagall's awesome, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maggie Smith, too, was awesome, too. Oh, She's God. Love her. Adore her. Then you have my favorite character in the whole series, <laughs> Severus Snape, the potion master, uh, yes. high advisor to Dumbledore, but is a bully to everyone but Slytherin students and mm-hmm. is the head of Slytherin House. Mm-hmm. Then you have Quirinus Quirrell? Quir- I, I can't Quirinus Quirrell. Quirinus Quirrell, yes. Mm-hmm. And who's Quirinus Quirrell? Uh, that is the paranoid, nervous professor of defense against the dark arts teacher. Uh, he always wore a turban. Uh, which, as we find out later, disguises a spirit of Voldemort, which has possessed him. Which is... Ugh. Yes. You know. Th- that purple turban, by the way, did not suit him. Should have been no. black. Anyway, that's just an and, and for those who um, read the books, you would notice that at one point in time in the book, there is a snowball fight. And um, Fred and George <laughs> inadvertently... <laughs> Pelted uh, Professor Quirrell in the back of the head when he was happened to be walking by the snowball fight. Didn't they enchant the, the snowballs? No. Well, they might have. It's been a minute since I read it. But um, it, it should be noted in the book that um, Fred and George got first shot at Voldemort by pelting him repeatedly in the face <laughs> with, uh, with with snowballs. He, so. he who shall not be shamed. Uh, yes. <laughs> Then you have uh, the tiny Professor Flitwick, who is yes. the Professor of Charms, head yes. of the Ravenclaw House, and the Professor of Herbology, Professor Sprout, who is mm-hmm. the head of the Hufflepuff House. Yes. Which, you're my people. Uh, <laughs> Hufflepuffs are the freaking bomb, man. They are. They are. They are awesome. They are, the, they are the best of the rest. I mean, according to Pottermore, I am Slytherin through and through, but... Yeah, well, you yeah. Slytherin and a Hufflepuff. Mm. Are you Hufflepuff? Yes, I am. I How did that, I not know that my own husband was a Hufflepuff? Oh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's part of my nerdism. Uh-huh. But yeah, I went to Baltimore, took the test. I'm Hufflepuff. Cool. No, because you're Slytherin. Uh, really? We're going there? No, we're not. Not Good. today, anyway. We'll do an extra episode one day. Okay. Um, there's other staff at Hogwarts, not just the, the, the professors. You have uh, Filch. <laughs> yes. Who is the janitor. Yes. Disgruntled. Yes. Uh, then you have Rubius Hagrid. Who is the man. Yep. Robbie Coltrane played him in the movies perfectly, I think. Mm-hmm. Even when I read it the first time, before the movies were cast, I could see right. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. Um, he's a half-giant groundskeeper and friend to Harry and Dumbledore, one of his advisors. Uh, you had Madame Pomfrey. Who does not get paid enough. No, he doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't? Madame Pomfrey? Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought... Yeah. Madame Pomfrey, ma- matron of the medical facility. Yeah. That's that's a thankless job. You've got um, her. You've got Bones Crusher. You know, Star Trek. Right. No, but, but stop for a second, though, right? You've got all these children locked in a building, essentially. Yeah. It's a, it's a very big enchanted building, but it's still a freaking building. Yeah, it's a right? boarding school. Okay. So you've got all of these children who all carry around with them potential deadly weapons all day, every day. <laughs> and they're learning how to use these. Oh. 
So think of all the crap that she has to fix on a... This isn't, you know, like Jimmy's homesick or Sally slipped and busted her knee open. I mean... You've grown an extra head. I've got something for that. Just sit out. Right. I know, right? I mean, this is insane to me. But go ahead. Well, no, she, you know, she is very, very... And she didn't have a backup. No, she was it. There were no nurses. Well, I'm pretty sure if, if something big went down... Well, no, I they mean, didn't. They, they didn't, did they? No, it was just her. Yeah. Oh. I mean, every now and then they would send somebody to Mungo's, but, I mean, even in the second book with everything that went down, yeah. they didn't send anybody to Mungo's. That's weird. Isn't it? I just think our school nurse would give us, like, you know, Tylenol and tell us to get on our way, but I've broken three legs. Tylenol. Right. Robitussin. Uh, well, I mean, in, in, in canon and in the books, um, when things got really bad, um, you know, the, the person who brewed the potions is technically able to administer them so snape would be of assistance and if it was if it was malfoy he'd be there straight away massaging his feet um i have opinions on that with a big o as well well we'll talk about that here in a minute then Mm -hmm. you've got uh madam hooch who is the official quidditch instructor and broomstick instructor so Uh basically driver's ed for 11 year old yeah yeah let's give them um a mode of transportation and a deadly weapon at 11 and well, see how that turns see, out here's the thing though right you know it's like the equivalent of giving a kid a road sweeper yeah they have a vehicle and they can clean up at the same time you're horrible <laughs> i know then you have the salt in hand which is is a character in, in and of itself yes it's an enchanted hat who was able to determine your house he talks smack uh, then he had Nearly Headless Nick, the house of Gryffindor Ghost. Mm-hmm. Now, the other houses had ghosts too, but they didn't really say anything, so we don't care about that. You're missing someone. Who am I missing? Peeves. Peeves, yes. I forgot about Peeves. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, anybody who doesn't watch... Um, I mean, anybody who's only... Who, 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 you know, tends to do Potter straight from the movie instead of the book, Mrs. Peeves. Well, and... and that's a shame because they did actually film Peeves in the first book played mm-hmm. by the late great awesome Rick Mail. Rick Mail and when you read the book that's the only person who could play him oh yeah yeah I mean uh, if you haven't if it's been a while since you read the book or if you haven't read the book um, and, and you're wondering who and what we're talking about just really I mean you could take um, Rick Mail's character in Drop Dead Fred yeah pretty much and put Fred as, as a poltergeist who is able to terrorize a bunch of students in a building yeah constantly and that's peeves yeah definitely it's it's um it's it's rick mail to a t yes and I, th- I think the character was inspired by rick mail which then in turn he played him and his scenes were cut but it it was still an inspiration that that's what i've i've, I've read in the past yes you know um you have the quick the quick the, the, the gryffindor quidditch team mm-hmm. oliver wood kate mm-hmm. bell alicia spinnett and angelina johnson Mm-hmm. who also play a little bit of a part in here. Uh, you've got the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry's aunt, uncle, and cousin who treated him like crap for nine and a half years. Yep. And then you have uh, Molly and Ginny Weasley. Yep. Ron's mother and sister, respectively. Uh, Ginny's kind of shy. Goes beat red. Well, she has a crush. She has a crush. Oh, She loves she him. She loves him. Uh, and Molly Weasley is... Yeah, I wouldn't want to meet her in the dark early. Yeah, well, again, I have opinions. opinions yes, we know. Uh, <laughs> and then we have Lord Voldemort, mm-hmm. who is evil wizard, killed by a backfiring killing curse, but then possesses Quirrell nine and a half years later. Yes. 
So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of who the characters are. Those are the main characters anyway in the movie, in the book, excuse me. I keep saying movie. There are nine characters in the, the main characters in the book. Right. Um, they're the ones that, that get the plot along. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's, let's, let's get some of these elephants out of the way first. What's okay. up with Dumbledore? <laughs> um, do we need to do, do I need to do my Dumbledore right now? Actually, I'll, I can do the beginning of it now. You can do the beginning of it now. Okay. So, well, I mean, it, it all, it ties in with, okay, here's the thing. You know, Dumbledore is not just the headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Wizardry. He is the head of the Wizard Gammon. Um, he's also the Supreme Mugwump in the International Federation of Wizards, ICW. If I'm putting that, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so if I've got my acronyms wrong, y'all hit me up. But anyway. So for those people listening not knowing what the heck we're talking about, he's basically the Supreme Justice of the High Court in the Wizarding World and the head of the UN? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, and, you know, he runs the school, so he's a little... He's a little thin. He's spread out a bit thin. Any one of these positions is a full is more than a full time job in and of itself. Um, being spread so thin, he can't possibly do any position justice. I mean, where is he? Go- How is he going to do all that? Where is he going to be in all of that? I mean, the Wiz and Gamut meets frequently. The ICW. I mean, even if it met seasonally, there's still, and then running a school. So um, there's that. There's also the fact that um, he is one of the most manipulative uh, characters that, I mean, he's, he's presented as this lovely, you know, eyes twinkling. Would you like a lemon drop, Sparkling? Genial old man. Yes, a nice grandfather. And as, as the books go along, as, you know, as the story unfolds, he is horrible. His hat slips. I mean, I almost prefer Voldemort in the f- just because Voldemort doesn't lie about the fact that he's a self-serving, you know, jackass. Um, uh, Dumbledore can try to trust it up for the greater good all he wants to. And I realize now, and Rowling did an amazing job with this because, you know, characters have layers and no one is just good or bad you know we all have have that battle within us right but um dumbledore is uh, mm. dumbledore is the antichrist of the harry potter book world wow that's a, that's a bold statement but well, it's, i mean he's it's presented true. as you know everybody wants to unite behind him you know he nope you know i mean we're taught that the you know the antichrist he preaches peace and and this that and the other and is is the symbol of good and then they reveal who they are well let me ask you a question mm-hmm. right uh in the sixth book mm-hmm. which we, we're going to touch briefly on the other full books you know with, uh, on next week oh yeah because there's an arc yeah but um is an interesting line that Rowling wrote um when they met professor slughorn for the first time mm-hmm and Dumbledore said, and I quote, uh, Horace prefers the back seat, more room to stretch out. He right. never wanted to be a leader. Right. Can you say that, that that's basically rolling foreshadowing the, the hammer that she's about to drop on Dumbledore? Because remember, this man has been offered the role of Minister for Magic so many times, but he refused it to be more than a mere headmaster. 
double yeah, but he was prefer- never. But he was never a mere headmaster. But, but you know what I mean. Just like instead of being the the kind of right. kind of like Voldemort, not the outright face of the evilness. Right. You know, just somebody working behind the scenes trying to manipulate everybody to get his own way. Oh, I mean, Dumbledore played. I mean, he 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 was puppet master. I mean, he flawlessly. Oh yeah, flawlessly. Um, he manipulated. I mean, children from a very young age. Um, not that to, way. No, well, no, not that <laughs> way. But I mean, he manipulated children from a very young age to mold them into what he wanted. Um. <laughs> But wouldn't that clash with his role? Wouldn't that be part of his role as headmaster, though, wanting to make productive members of society? Or is it just, you know, manipulative brainwashing? Okay. So we're going to look... So I'm going to speak here in the overall Harry Potter arc here and not just limit it to just this one book. Yeah. So um, if you haven't read them, spoilers. Um, Here's the thing. Um, You can go back to the Marauders, right? Which is... um, you know Harry's parents there and Snape that era. Um, the incident with uh, Snape, where Sirius tries to get Snape killed, basically where Sirius tries to have Lupin kill Snape, and you can trust it up any way you want to. He sends Snape to a werewolf's den. What did he think would happen? Right. So, um, in that. Now, at this point in time, um, Snape, he's a half-blood, but he's in Slytherin. Um, Up until this point, he had been trying to maintain a relationship, friendship, or whatever he could get out of it with a Muggleborn. Um, But at the time, Dumbledore doesn't really approve of him. Either that, or he sees him as someone who um, he could use later. I don't know. But in that... Um, you know, all this goes down and he basically firmly affixes Snape to the side of the dark in the fact that he doesn't even punish Sirius and James for, well, I mean, well, James wouldn't, uh, James wouldn't have been punished because he's the one that saved him, but he doesn't even punish, uh, Sirius for nearly killing Snape, um, which is insane. Like, I mean, and Snape isn't even allowed to tell what happened. And that plays out later um, when Harry and uh, Draco get into that fight. Um, and, and, and Snape calls for the same punishment um, in reverse. Um, when Harry is... Uh, when uh, I, I want to say, is that one that was in the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then later on, Okay, here's the thing. We know that, you know, everybody knows Sirius is Harry's grandfather. Godfather. Right? Godfather. Grandfather. Um, I'm still working on my caffeine people. Bear with me. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. Um, who, you know, John, who was his godmother? You know? I Actually, I don't. Alice. Harry should have gone immediately to the Longbottoms. Ah... If Sirius was not available, because Sirius gave Harry to Hagrid, per Dumbledore, right? When he went after Pettigrew. Right. Harry should have gone to Alice, which would have put Harry being raised uh, by Augusta. 
Neville's grandmother. Right, as brothers to Neville. Um, That was manipulated. Uh, And we're in that whole situation right there. Um, The Fidelis charm is said in in canon, um, in interviews that J.K.'s done, in the books. It's it's not a a simple spell. One has to be um, powerful to it. Um, there's there is nothing that anyone could ever say that would convince me or quite a few people that either Dumbledore didn't perform the Fidelis for James and Lily making Pettigrew the secret keeper changing it from Sirius to Pettigrew or now Lily was quite was quite talented so she may have had the power to do so but Dumbledore would have known. You can't tell me that they wouldn't have told him. Well, no, that's 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 so that's true. Dumbledore knew, and even if he didn't, let's say let's say he didn't. Um, Sirius is in jail. Dumbledore is the supreme mugwump. Dumbledore pulled all those strings to get Snape out of trouble. You know, from you know because Snape would basically to make, to ensure that Snape is his lap dog, right? That he owes him a life debt to get him out of jail. Right. Um, as, you know, Supreme Mugwump, whatever. Um, head of the Wizen Gamut. At no point does he pull any strings to just sit with Sirius. I mean, um, Dumbledore was the most accomplished legilimens at, of his time. All it would have taken was two minutes with Sirius, even without a trial just making eye contact and um Dumbledore would have known that Peter was alive that uh you know that Peter was alive and that Sirius didn't do it and could have gotten a trial but he didn't do so Mm. and most most of us anti-Dumbledore people agree because you know as it was said in the sixth book he wanted Harry. He he raised Harry for the slaughter. For the slaughter. No. The best way to do that is to make a child malleable, to make a child dependent on your um, on your praise, to make to make you know. And the best way to do that is to ensure that a child doesn't really think for themselves. So you put a child in an abusive situation and make yourself out to be the savior, so well, that way they listen to you. Well, the thing is though that, that there's 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 one, there's two holes to that argument and, mm-hmm. that, and let me explain them uh the first one is year five mm-hmm. harry doesn't speak to dumbledore for the whole year and goes about his own way of doing things right and is successful at his way of doing things mm-hmm. uh you have the dumbledore's army um this the uh the ministry of magic stuff right got, you know but dumbledore was pulling strings behind behind the curtains uh, but, the harry didn't, time. but harry didn't know that but it doesn't matter dumbledore knew. now the other part of it, Sirius did not know Pettigrew was alive until he saw the paper. No, he didn't know where he was. No, he, he said he him. didn't know he was alive. Okay. And then when he saw the newspaper of Scabbers on the back of Ron's shoulder, okay, that's what that's what led to his escape because he realized he's alive and he's near Harry. Right. So but, Dumbledore. Did, so, but Dumbledore would have seen how that played out, though. Would have seen that m- Sirius went to go confront Peter. And that Peter blew the, the pipe up. Well, here's the thing, though. Pettigrew was an unregistered Animagus. So nobody believed that he's an Animagus. He's not registered, number one. Number two, 
Sirius wasn't sent to prison for giving away uh, Harry's parents' location. He was he was sent for murder, premeditated right. murder. Uh-huh. They found no body except a finger. Even uh, not even I don't even think I don't think Dumbledore you can could do have to that. tell me that Dumbledore would Nick least could, would have wanted wouldn't have wanted to see him. But here, here's the thing: even if Dumbledore wasn't behind any of all that, the fact of the matter is, is that Dumbledore did nothing to assist. Even he when he pl- found out, even when he knew, right? Um, e- you know, even after book three, yeah, okay. Instead of bringing Sirius to the, um, you know, back into society, he still kept Sirius prisoner. Basically, he kept him dependent on him because he is the supreme puppet master. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the. Uh, events in book four uh that whole lily's protection on his blood was bogus because harry's blood flew through whose veins yeah so there was no reason other than manipulation uh dumbledore firmly wanted harry under his thumb and his thumb only and he was not above whatever he needed to do to make that happen and that hurdles my stomach and makes me very ticked off and I've gone on a no that's actually you know very very insightful I needed something like that We, I think I think this needed something like that you know but yeah um, Dumbledore's Antichrist he and Bono <laughs> well, I'll go on my Snape rant next week okay on uh, Wednesday I should say okay but then again I'm not a fan of Dumbledore either mm-hmm. I just think that most of the you know it, it's kind of like what you see in politics now these days you know Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if something slightly quivers the way one group doesn't like it, then it's this right. person's fault. And if something goes the right way for somebody else, even though they had nothing to do with this person's, you know, triumph. Right. And, you know, I, I give credit where credit's due and criticism where it is due. And a lot of what you said about Dumbledore is correct, but there's also a lot of good he did, even if it was manipulation. Yeah, but but he manipulated but, through other people, though. I mean, like, you and I were talking the other day about uh, Molly Weasley. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's true. Okay. So, the Weasleys being, you know, as you said, some of the poorest people in Britain. Um, in the wizarding world. In, right, in the, in the wizarding world. And it's not the fact that Arthur didn't have a good job. It's just um, most most families in in the wizarding world only had we you know between one to three children you know what i mean i mean think about it if you look at there are a few siblings at hogwarts right but then if you look at the weasleys and it's like good lord get so, off a man all right well no i just you know i, I just want to sing every storm is sacred so well, she had um, four kids in three years yeah oh yeah you know the whole every sperm is sacred thing yeah um but uh the thing is is that any family who is struggling that hard you know what i mean um they are any any attention that they're that they get from higher ups is automatically going to be welcome you know what i mean um they, they they just they take a shine to it um and there's that's nothing wrong with them about it but let's go back to book one and this ties in with book one nicely at the very beginning um you know molly weasley went to hogwarts right uh hogwarts you take the train there and you take the train home that's 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 two trips um they also have easter break that's another two trips if people go home and christmas 
So it's six trips a year on the right, train. Right. Okay. So <laughs> six trips a year on the train. And when she's putting Ron on the train, he is her sixth, sixth child. Fifth. Fifth child. Yeah. Is the twin the, the twins. Right. Bill, Charlie, Percy, the twins. No, sixth. You forgot Charlie or Bill. No, well you you didn't Bill, Charlie, Percy, the twins, that's five. Well, no, it's technically four because you didn't put the twins on day one and then take another one day two. Well, no, okay, but regardless, right? It's, Ron is Ron is her her her. She's six, done this over forty times. Quite a few, right? Hundreds of trips uh, on the on the express. So why is she walking around, acting, you know, confused and wondering where platform nine and three quarters is? loudly next to this bespeckled child with the scar on their forehead i i mean for what other reason other than to draw him in or you know i mean it's just it's it just it just smacks of more manipulation and i'll be honest with that one that one sounds a little bit of a stretch but Mm. it's it's a plausible stretch that Mm. makes sense yeah, well, I think that was just coincidental. I digress. I think that was coincidental in writing, as opposed to maybe you know. In hindsight, it fits. In hindsight, it fits, but it's just it could be just coincidence. Okay. I well, think. anyway, let's let's let's. But I mean, you t- you touched on that right there with the Weasleys being you know um, some of the poorest wizards in, in, in Britain. And pure blood, though. They're pure blood, and that's the thing. This book, uh, let's look at some themes. This book delves into the British class system. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, like in Britain, there are four classes. Uh, you have the pure blood wizards, mm-hmm. that are old wizarding families with no biological muggles in their ranks at all. Mm-hmm. Then you have half blood uh, wizards, who are wizards who have at least one pure blood and one muggle parent. Mm-hmm. Harry, for example. Uh, you have Muggleborn wizards, who are wizards whose family does not come from any magical background whatsoever. Right. So, like, H- Hermione. Right. And then you have uh, Squibs, which are the opposite of Muggleborns. Right. Which are non-magical uh, members of pure-blood wizard families. That's what happens when you inbreed, but go ahead. Yes. Poor Filch. Mm, yes. Um, um, it does lead to resentment and clashes, you know. Right. Um, the, the pure-bloods hate everybody. The Muggleborns hate the Peel Bloods. Mm-hmm. The Half Bloods hate both. <laughs> hmm. Half Bloods just want you know to belong. And the Squibs, everybody hates them. Which is really sad. It is. It is. And I, and I think that you know that's it. That's an important. It's an important part of everything, you know. Because no matter how, okay, no matter how good Harry is, no matter how loved Harry is, no matter how. Um, inclusive he tries to be mm-hmm. it's Filch and the lady with the cats at the beginning I can never remember her name Miss Fig Miss Fig mm-hmm. he always he's always down on them well no he was never down on Miss Fig he loved Miss Fig even though she sort of smelled like cats but uh-huh. she's the one who um, who, who t- Dumbledore it- sent to uh, keep an eye on Harry um his fingerprints are everywhere, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, and who would babysit Harry uh, for the Dursleys when they would just leave him somewhere to go on vacation? Yeah. And not take him. And of course, Dumbledore knew this. But yet, 
you know, I digress. Yes, let's get, let's put him with the parents who were in uh, St. Mungo's, who were tortured to death almost. Well, yes, but that didn't happen until a mo- over a month later. I thought it was around about the same time. Nope. Ah. Nope. There was there was there was weeks to a month post James and Lily before uh, Bellatrix and Barty Crouch Jr. got a hold of the Longbottoms. I thought it was like within the within the week. Nope. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, okay. Fair all enough. blown. Um, the school itself separates its students into four houses. Mm-hmm. Each house kind of values a different trait. Mm-hmm. Right? Gryffindors value courage, bravery, nerve, and chivalry. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because Ron is the least chivalrous person in the history of existence. Yes. Uh, Ravenclaw values intelligence, creativity, learning, and wit, mm-hmm. which I was disappointed to not be a part of. <laughs> uh, Slytherin values ambition, cunning, leadership, and resourcefulness. Yes. Um, it's also home to many of the powerful pure blood families. Mm-hmm. And oh. Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda. But go ahead. Uh, and then my people, the Hufflepuffs, value hard work, patience, justice, and loyalty. Yes. Um, each house, their values come from their founder. Yes. So, for example, the Slytherin house, uh, Salazar Slytherin only wanted pure blood wizards at Hogwarts. Yes, but, well... Are we are we, are we doing this now? No, no, no. We, we we can do that another time. But at the same time, you know, that's <laughs> that's not exactly Dumbledore's fault either, right? Um, oh no, that's not a Dumbledore thing. But that's also a, a, a period of time because at the time, you know, I mean, Muggles were burning witches. So that's, that's true. That's true. Then you had uh, Hufflepuff who said, "Look, I'll teach anybody who wants to come through those doors." All right. And Ravenclaw and Gryffindor were kind of in between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did kind of do the whole you know intra-school competition, you know, separate houses, different skills. Uh, direct, you know, d- direct competition. Mm-hmm. You were better than you were better than a Hufflepuff. You were better than a Ravenclaw. You know, kind of basically showing a direct correlation between the British uh, public school system, which in the US would be called the private school system. Mm-hmm. Um, it led to a bullying culture. Oh, definitely. Which the teachers did little to nothing to. Uh, you oh, know, they they took part, they took part in it. Yeah, Malfoy uses family connection, get his own way all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly, you know, rags on Ron for being poor, rags on Hermione for being muggle-born. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody is mean to Neville. Which is, you know, horrific. Because but you know Neville what? His, is his, the bomb. His arc through the rest of the, the, the books is fantastic. I think he's, you know, he's the true hero of the story. Yes, um, but also if and and if someone reads the books and not just watches the movies because the movies leave so much out, um, Draco has a hell of an arc. Oh, Draco has a good arc too. Yeah, don't get me he wrong. He starts off as this spoiled, pompous, rich kid and ends up as still pompous. He goes from evil to neutral. Yeah, but I mean, it. The further along he goes, it it's shown that at his core. Like, up underneath everything that, you know, Daddy taught him. He, uh... You know, he he's not a horrific person. He goes from lawful evil to neutral neutral. <laughs> <laughs> well, whichever, but still. Uh, Snape, on the other hand, he uses position as potions master to harass and degrade any student who's not in his house. And regardless of his upbringing, regardless of how Dumbledore manipulated him, that is still a crappy, crappy thing to do. These are a bunch of people who are not even teenagers yet, and he's treating them like crap. Are we? Um, are we doing this? No, now? no, that's going to be Wednesday. Okay, because because yeah. opinions with an O. That's right. Uh, but Snape also bullies Quirrell. 
Like yes. he rides Quirrell. It's Which two, is hilarious. For two reasons. Uh, one, of course, is because he wants Quirrell's job. Which is one of Snape's arcs. Mm-hmm. But two, because Quirrell is a bumbling... Fool. Incompetent fool. But, like Neville, Quirrell is is treated like that, but you see his true nature at the end of the book where Quirrell is actually a well-meaning, manipulative, you know, person. Well, I don't think he was... I don't think he himself was manipulative. I think, you know, remember the parasite. That's true. But who who, who would who would question for post stuttering Professor Quirrell? Right. Who is basically the bad guy in the books. Um, well, no... Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. Because, I mean, Snape does mutter that little counter curse and all that stuff. You know, when they're doing the Quidditch and Harry's broom mm, decides to, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. change to a buckaroo. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book does portray racism in a negative light. Thank you, Joe. Thank yes. you, thank you, thank you. Um, basically, Voldemort and his, his uh, followers are equated to Nazis. Yes. Which they are. Yes. You know, sorry, but they are. Um, Voldemort considers all non-pure bloods beneath him and wants to enslave them or kill mm-hmm. them. Um, most of Slytherin House is made up of pure bloods, or mm. at least half bloods with enough wizards down the line where you can't see the Muggleborn. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry's family treat him like dirt because he's a wizard, which mm-hmm. is you know, which is really really weird. And and that's the funny thing about Anne Petunia too. She has an interesting arc in the sense that she knows about this existence not just because her sister's a witch, but because she partaked in it for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, she grew up with Lily and Snape. Yep. And um, after, you know, when when Lily got her letter, I mean, she wrote Dumbledore. And said, why can't I come? You know, this really long, impassioned, you know, I want to go too. Don't take my sister away from me. And I think a lot of that uh, explains why Petunia was the way that she was. Because she was so... Anti-wizard. Well, she was... I mean, her sister was her world, and then this little greasy weird kid pops up. <laughs> and, I mean... But you gotta look at where they came from, too. No, I that's mean, true. you know, you, when, when you descri- when they describe um, Snape's upbringing, right? And, you know, in Cokeworth, and then the Spinner's Inn, and the, it's the last of Milltown, and it's run down, and it's from crappy. Right. Yeah. But you have to remember... She lived in that town, that's, too. That's where Lily's from, and that's where Petunia's from. And so you've got these two little girls, and they're all each other have in this rough-and-tumble neighborhood. Yeah. And then, you know, these these people come, and, you know, the, the first weird kid. And then all these owls. And then all Petunia wants to be is normal. She doesn't want to be broke. She doesn't want to live in this rough... She just wants her ideal is that upper middle class life that she has. Yeah, yeah. all she wa- all she wants is what's in the magazines, and that's what she has with Vernon. Yeah, and that's what why she puts up with what she puts up with. That's that's yeah, yeah. That's 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 a good. Um, that's one of those things that hits you, you know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of subtle things. Psychological trauma will do a lot to somebody, man. It, it shapes yeah. who they grow up to be. And all Petunia wanted to be was normal, because being abnormal means losing your sister, lo- lo- losing your people. Yeah, and see, the the thing is, a lot of this stuff is so subtle. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's my Rowling thing. is is amazing. I think what happened is Rowling wrote this book just to write this book, right? Mm-hmm. And then made the universe and all the strings attached afterwards. 
Mm. She didn't plot out her whole characters and the character arcs until later on. Right. And she kind of referenced the first and second books as to keep continuity alive. Right. That, that's my opinion. I could be completely wrong, but that's how it seems. I don't think she had everything worked out in 1995. Right. You know. Um, this book does deal with a lot of intelligence and, and shows how intelligence can be a benefit and not just a, you know, nerdy Gitsworth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Hermione is constantly rewarded as one of the smartest wizards in the school. Smartest mm-hmm. witches in the school. Uh, Ron, not intelligent in traditional sense, but he's a very good chess player. He's a very, he's a master strategist. Ron isn't yes. necessarily book smart, but he, Ron is good at big picture. Ron can see the whole picture and then drill away through it once he once he once he sees past himself yes i mean just like that scene uh just like that chapter of the book where they get stuck in the devil's snare mm-hmm. he's the one who comes up with the solution not hermione who's panicking and wondering what to do mm-hmm. are you a witch or not all right you know um ravenclaw Mm-hmm. prides itself on the level of intelligence that uh you know that they have but not in a stuck-up way mm-hmm. it's just like yeah we're smart and you know um yeah but ravenclaw can also be hateful hateful little people well they're, they're very direct though no look what they did to luna hid all of her belongings yeah that's because true. she was different that's true ravenclaws are very much like petunia they they're they're about status but not in a Slytherin status. Not in a way. Slytherin status kind of way, but in a um, we you know we, we need to be the cookie cutter. But see, Slytherins are you know we need to be you know we need to have the best of everything, whereas Ravenclaws are we need to be the best of everything, and as such, it I mean. They're, they're horrible to people who don't fit that mold. That's true. That's and, true. I mean, look, who, look at who uh, Marietta Edgecombe was Ravenclaw. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know. Opinions with an O, people. Opinions with an O. Um, with the exception of, I guess, Quirrell, mm-hmm. anybody who's not intelligent in this series is not ridiculed for being unintelligent. And Quirrell was smart. Quirrell was Quirrell just did the bumbling fool. Yeah, well. and I think I think that's what it did. It, uh, it, Rowling wrote very very well that intelligence is not to be mocked, but incompetence is. Because mm. Vernon Dursley is an intelligent guy. I mean, he yeah. ran a business from the ground up. Yeah, you know? I mean, well, I mean, he's he well, no, he's he doesn't run it. He's um, he's one of the head insurance. He, he's one of the head people at a at a predominant insurance company. I thought he owned Mm-mm. the drill company. Oh, okay. Oh, and it's something new every day. But you get what I'm saying. It's it's only his incompetence in certain areas that gets him ridiculed, as opposed to mm-hmm. his lack of intelligence. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the great thing I like about this is they made a lot of people like they they put a lot of matchups in here. Mm-hmm. Right? It was always Harry v Draco that were on an intellectual level. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Dumbledore v Voldemort, mm-hmm. Snape and McGonagall. Are you saying that she wasn't on his level intellectually? I'm saying that I wouldn't have pitted them against each other. But but you get what I'm saying, right? By the time by the time the whole series is over, basically, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of the things. Um, but the, the problem with intelligence, I would say more Snape v Lupin. Well, yeah, but Lupin hasn't been introduced yet. Mm, this is true, um, and it's uh, Raven uh, uh, Gryffindor v Slytherin. 
Mm-hmm. They were always arguing over how to punish or how to tri- how to reward their respective mm-hmm. houses. Um, but the problem with intelligence is that some people show pomposity. Percy, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the Slytherin guys, you know. Um, Flint, etc. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, an excuse to be a pain in the ass. Um, it does have, you know, cliched fantasy elements in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got your wizards, witches, trolls, unicorns, magic, centaurs, ghosts, etc., etc., etc. So nothing in this book was really introduced to expand the magical world. Right. I mean, by the time book three and book five come along, you know, we, we've expanded that tremendously with things like... Um, Dementors, etc. Dementors, and yeah, and we'll get to those here in a couple of weeks. The wizard chess scene... Oh, that was fabulous. Brilliantly written. And scary written. as hell. Yeah, brilliantly written. She got the right level of tension. Mm-hmm. And was able to show Ron's bravery. Yes. You know, which, which you know, Ron, Ron was essentially the comic relief of, of, of the thing. But, I mean, he, he did have his moments where, you know, it should be Ron Weasley in the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> and one thing, one thing I have to say, the only fantasy element that I had was the three-headed dog. Fluffy? Fluffy. The Cerebrus? Yeah, Cerberus, basically. They, Joe Rowland wrote Cerberus into her book and then gave it to Hagrid. Right, yeah, which is hilarious. Hagrid was Elvira. I will love him and I will pet him and I will... <laughs> right. And Norbert. Oh, Norbert. I forgot about Norbert. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Yes, the, the, the he dragon. He knows his mummy. He knows his mummy, yes. Yes. Uh, so, with all that said and done, I think this is a 7 out of 10 book. Yes. Um, it's a great start to a series. Yes. It was written a little, quote-unquote, childish. Well, yeah, but... but it it's was designed ri- as a kid's book. Right. And I think... I don't think Roland knew how big the series would become, but by the time book three comes around, mm-hmm. her, the writing is a little bit more mature. Oh, well, yeah, but it's it's written for the audience, and the audience was intended to age with, with Harry. With the books, right. yeah. So, you know... It, but but what I mean by mature is it doesn't feel like a teenage book, say, in book four. Right. It feels like an all-ages book. Right. Um, but even for a kid's book, I think that first chapter was just a little bit silly. That little bit little bit kiddie, you know. Mr. Dursley lives in... You know, just, just kind of... Well... But the rest of it, I mean, as the book goes on, it gets less and less childish. And then by the time book five comes along, it's written not necessarily as an adult version of the book. But right. You know, for all ages. So right. I say seven out of ten. What do you give it? Um, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yes. Nice. Any uh, particular reason? Well, I mean, um, it lays a lot of groundwork. Um, and even if she wasn't necessarily, you know, you know, she didn't necessarily have everything plotted out. You know what I mean? As far as the rest of the series goes, she uh, she did an amazing job uh, with continuity. She planted a lot of seeds. Right. Right. That she was able to expound on later. So for the beginning of a uh, of a series, it's it's wonderfully done. Definitely. All right. So we will be back here in a couple of minutes. Uh, well, I say a couple of minutes. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. But, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it'll be a couple of minutes for us. But uh, we'll go ahead and close this out. Sarah, thank you very much. This, oh, is, this has been welcome. awesome. And uh, we'll be right back. All righty.
right, guys. Thanks very much for uh, listening to that. Um, and thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for having you. You're more than welcome. You are my like, you know, you you are my <laughs> you are my favorite co-pilot. Oh, bless. Because it's just easy to wake you up first thing in the morning and say, "Hey, let's get recording." Uh, <laughs> no, but you know, it's, it's convenience and stuff like that. Um, couple I'm things. Convenient. Thank you. Well. Uh-huh. I could make a joke right there, but it's not going to be appropriate. Nope. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys, just a couple of things before we leave. Um, yes. we, like I said, we're going to have a special Wednesday Halloween episode where we talk about Harry Ooh. Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yes. Perhaps the scariest book in the whole series? It's up there. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to go back to our regularly scheduled programming on Saturday where we round out the Harry Potter in the 90s with the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um also, I just want to let you guys know that um, we are actually in talks to get other folks on the podcast, so it's just not the me, Sarah, me, Greg, me, Tara kind of plot. We have a couple of guys coming in over the next couple of weeks. I hope yes. you think you'll be excited to uh, hear some new uh, some new voices and everything like that. Yes. Not that we, you know, I love having Sarah on, I love having Greg on, I love having Tara on, but, you know, Tom, we, we, we need to... We Make more we need voices. new blood. We need new blood, yes. Yeah. And uh, I'll give you more information next uh, couple of weeks as it's going on. That, and hopefully by this time next weekend, we should have our store and our Patreon page up. Yes. So, um, now again, with the store, if you notice my Facebook post today, I put, uh, we're being delayed because of a problem at Studio. Guys, this is a competition. If you want to win, uh, when we get the store up, a little small box of goodies. Mm-hmm. What do we call the Studio. We need we need something that 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 that, that you know, like encapsulates the, the insanity. Yeah, yes. I mean you know it's it's it's, it's this is our hideout. What should mm-hmm. we call the hideout? You know, mm-hmm. best one. We'll name the studio after that, and we'll go ahead and send you a box of goodies. Okay. Yes. All right. So guys, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr, look at Because Maybe Pod. Look at our blog, Because Maybe Podcast.wordpress.com. Look us up on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Woohoo! Yay! Uh, search Because Maybe Podcast. You'll get everything that you need on there. And like I mentioned, next uh, next time you hear us will be Wednesday night on a special Halloween. Ooh. and then we'll round off the harry potter series next saturday so until then guys have a great time we will speak to you wednesday and i'm out bye Ha 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 ha!